background singers are not, that's not all that they are. Luther was a background singer, okay? The background singers are singers that have mastered backgrounds because backgrounds are not easy. People think just because they, they sing, they can sing background, but that's not the case. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. I am so excited you're here today. This is an amazing show. Oh my gosh, I am so excited for this guest and for you to hear all of this. These are such great stories. Paulette McWilliams is our guest today, and... I just love her so much. She was so generous and so giving. And I got to say, um, this was our second time recording <laughs> the interview, our second attempt. And it was successful the first time. I'm not sure what happened. I think I double clicked the record button. So I recorded it and then it got like one second of the interview and then it stopped. Ugh. And we were a half hour in and then I noticed that it wasn't recording. And I was so mad. But she... Um, was so kind and we just set up another date and she gave me more of her time and I'm really grateful and I learned so much just listening to everything that she had to say and we really get into it um you know Paulette has worked with everybody and when I say everybody I mean everybody Luther Vandross they were really good friends Bette Midler Marvin Gaye she was on his um, sexual healing tour Celine Dion Lauren Hill LL Cool J Aretha Franklin Diana Ross, Ray Parker Jr., Billy Idol, Michael Buble, David Bowie, Johnny Mathis, and that's just naming a few. We'd be here all day. I could probably fill an hour talking about her resume alone. But, um, you know, all that to say, I think, you know, I've said this on um, past episodes. I think it was Wendy Wagner's episode I said it on. You know, when somebody has a resume this big, I think it just shows the amount of openness that they have, you know, um, first of all, not many people, you, I, I don't know that you get this much work, maybe some people do, but I don't know if you get this much work um, being kind of a drag to be around. <laughs> and Paulette is like a wonderful human being, just like so classy and so incredible. So I, you know, I really think it just shows, you know, what kind of person you are to work with, not only the amount of talent you have, but like what you bring to the table as a human being, the amount of openness you have to, you know, work and just all the possibilities that life can bring you, you know, and I think um, Paulette is just a wonderful example of that. And I met Paulette um, months ago uh, at the work at the songwriting school of Los Angeles, um, which is in Burbank. Um, and uh, I took her uh, performance class. And I think in those workshops, I swear, it just brings up so much stuff for you because, you know, you're working on your on your performance really in front of people, 
um, you know, just kind of improving things um, maybe that you've been stopped up with. Uh, and I think you end up working out so much more than just singing, you know, so much more than just like where to look and, you know, just since I do so much work on myself, <laughs> to me, that kind of work is just always um, so revealing. And, you know, it's always wonderful to see everybody's growth in the class. And Paulette um, is such an amazing teacher. She's so supportive. And um, and I'm just like so happy and lucky to have met her and just had the benefit. Um, and you guys get the benefit of that, which is, I think, a beautiful thing. Um, you know, Paulette's, there's just a lot of wisdom imparted in this episode. So without further ado, the dynamic and effervescent Paulette McWilliams. Thank you so much for joining me uh, today. I really appreciate it, Paulette. Yes. Well, I really appreciate you asking me and me being here. I want to do whatever it is I can to share any knowledge that I can when it comes to singers and, and just helping them move along um, to realize their dream, mm. period. Mm, that's yeah. beautiful. So um, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Okay, so I grew up in, I was born on the south side of Chicago, 60th in Peoria, <laughs> oh. which is no longer there. I don't think it's Peoria there, but where my house is gone. But I grew up there and I uh, went to uh, Catholic school most of my life, uh, which I hated it um, because of all the rules and mandates. I just didn't believe that, you know, I don't want to get into religion, but I didn't believe that God was that harsh. <laughs> mm. Anyway, just as a young girl. But I, I grew up there and I sang. I've been singing since I could actually talk. The moment I started talking, I was, my mom said I was actually singing even as a baby, you know, going like, hey. Uh. <laughs> so uh, by the time I was two years old and could really speak fluently, you know, I was singing all songs that my mom sang. Mm. Was yeah. your mom a singer? My mom and my dad could actually sing. Mm -hmm. No, they were not professional singers. They were blue-collar workers. They, they both had two jobs apiece to help take care of my sisters and my little brother, who came 10 years after me. Um, so I was like the baby for 10 years. And, uh, yeah. and you know, they, but they never sang professionally. They didn't know anything about the business except for the things that they saw on TV. And my mom and I would watch all the musicals and... You know, I would sing along with them, and, you know, she she loved the fact that I could sing. She would sing along with me, and she'd show me songs that she loved, you know. So, you know, that was the relationship. You know, that was that was uh, how I really got into singing mm. because my mom, my mom introduced me to how much she loved it, you know. And... Um, and I just fell in love with it, watching her. Mm. And you know, the fact that she wasn't a professional singer, but she sang so great, you know, very much like Mahalia Jackson. And my dad had a sound that was very much like uh, Joe Williams. So they both had very deep 
resonance in their voices. And, uh, you know, they both had great pitch, great tone. Mm. When I think back and when I listen to them, so I grew up listening to them and the songs that they listened to on the radio. Mm. And that's really how I taught myself to sing. Mm. Wow. Mm. I love yeah. that. So then um, uh, how did you uh, decide that you, or what, at what point did you decide you wanted to be a singer? And, and when did you start pursuing that? Well, like, well, I started pursuing it, like I said, by the time I was three years old and watching Sammy Davis Jr. and all the movies, he was, he was in a few movies, and I saw how young he was, and I saw that he was my color, my complexion. Yeah. I was thinking, hmm, if that little boy can do it, then I can too. Mm. And uh, I was in, my mother put me in tap dancing school, Sadie Bruce, uh, when I was three, and three and four, we did, um, we did uh, performances um, when I was four years old, and uh I sang, um, Oh, You Beautiful Dog, where I had to play the boy. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why they made me play the boy. Uh, but anyway, but I've been singing, you know. I just knew that singing was supposed was, was what, what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Because everybody that heard me, my relatives would come over during the holidays. And my mom would make me sing because she just always felt like I had such a beautiful voice and she always made me sing for them and they gave me silver dollars which I think they're not even doing that anymore um but they gave me I was thinking I can get money for doing this stuff that I love so much (laughs) yeah and then I realized after watching all the movies from Judy Garland um Doris Day Lena Horne all the movies that they were in uh Louis Armstrong I mean watching all those movies Bill Robinson all those movies would make me cry and wish I was on TV with them Mm. Um, from a very, very, very young age. Doris Day, you know, when she sang, once I had a secret love. I mean, I just, Mm. I was like, oh, I want to be that. I want to do that. You know, Mm. Uh, and watching Sammy Davis Jr. tap and sing, watching him uh, do Bojangles. Uh, as he sang it, I learned Bojangles. And, you know, so I, I just always, that's all I've ever done. I would get in trouble with in school because the teachers would send notes home with me and telling my mom that she doesn't do anything but singing class all day long. Oh, really? <laughs> every, every grade I got in trouble singing in class. Yep, because that's all I really love to do. I mean, I, I did well. I did great. I had great grades because I could memorize everything. My memory, uh, pretty much a photographic memory, was whatever I saw on the board. I would pass the test and you know that whole thing. Uh, but basically, the homework thing, uh, I would do it quickly in the morning sometimes. But I just sang. I formed groups all through grammar school, all through high school. Um, I, um, at, at 11 years old, I was on a show because everybody knew how I sang. Mm-hmm. At nine years old, I was on um, a radio show that my mom, my mom was going to a Baptist church and they had a show, Al Abrams, a Sunday morning show. And my mom got me on that show. They wanted me to be on that show because I was so young. Mm-hmm. And I sang Steal Away, you know, Steal Away. Steal away, you know that one. 
And uh, and then from there, uh, because I sang so much, and you know, it's it's uh, my life has all, always been about the law of attraction, and I didn't even know what that was. Mm. All I knew is that it's the only dream I had mm. um, to sing, to sing, to sing, to sing, to sing, to sing. Um, so I ended up being on Patricia Vance Little Stars, which was. A local show, which was very much like Star Search, but it was a local show created by Patricia Vance, who had a modeling agency that was very big in Chicago. And the particular week that I was on, Sammy Davis Jr. guest starred. I couldn't believe it. I was 11 years old. Mm. I didn't win. I didn't win, but he came up to me. I sang, catch a fallen star and put it in your pocket. Never let it fade away. You know, I sang that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he uh, came up to me after that and he said, gave me his card and said, please look me up when you get older, a little bit older. I held on to that card for so long. Of course, by the time I got to be 17 and 18, that card was no longer um, (laughs) valid. But during that time, while I was in high school, like I said, I formed a lot of, um, I formed a couple of girl groups, Paulette and the Cupids. Um, I looked in the yellow pages and I met a manager who managed, uh, who managed Jan Bradley. Uh, His name was Don Talty. And uh, I told, I called him and told him how much I wanted to sing. And he introduced me to Jan Bradley, and he also introduced me to Fill Up Church, mm. who was a lot older than me. I was about maybe 14, 15, 14 going on 15, and uh, they recorded a record on me, Fill Up Church, played on the record, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, from that point, Phil and I had become good friends, but he was a lot older than I was, and uh, my dad was very... Um, upset that he would come around so much because he thought he was basically hitting on me, but he was, <laughs> he was just trying to help me because he thought I was really special mm. in, in my singing, but we remained friends uh, throughout the whole time. I had a record out, uh, Herb Kent, the cool gent uh, from WVON and E. Rodney Jones, very famous disc jockeys back in Chicago, back in that time, they were doing a campaign called, you know, don't drop out of school. It was going across the country. So Jan Bradley wrote a song for me called, He's Nothing But a Teenage Dropout. Yeah. <laughs> and, and on the back of that, though, it was a 45, and on the back of that, it did really well in, in Chicago. And people knew it was me. All the kids knew it was me. But then uh, on the back of that was a song called Make Cupid Forgive You that I wrote. <laughs> and uh, um, so, you know, you know, just keeping in line with always wanting to sing, always wanting to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, I worked when I was 14 years old during the summer to afford money to buy clothes so I could look nice or whatever. Uh, I worked at a place called the Graphic Arts and Finishing Company to earn my money because, like I said, my mom and my dad worked two jobs taking care of us. Mm-hmm. And they always, whenever they got paychecks, they had to buy what was needed for for, for whomever in the family needed it. Um, so there was no excess money. We were poor, 
You know, we weren't desperately, desperately poor, but we were poor. You know, they had to struggle to pay our tuition. Um, my older sister was in public school, and my middle sister and I, we went to Catholic school all our lives. Mm. You know, and I graduated from grammar school, went on to Loretto Academy, which was an all-girl Catholic school. Got in so much trouble for singing all the time. <laughs> um, you know, so much trouble, and I formed a group, that group, you know, and, um, you know, so my, my life was always about what group can I form, you know, where can I sing. So by the time, and of course I had a boyfriend uh, that I had met when I was 14, mm-hmm. and he and I were together until I was, oh, seven, 18. Um, and then I got pregnant after receiving an offer for a possible scholarship at Roosevelt University, uh, music scholarship, got pregnant at 19, and uh, after I graduated from I graduated from Harlan. That was my last year I went to public school because I intentionally got kicked out of Loretto Academy mm. because I couldn't stand Catholic school any longer. I went to Ume and Harlan for a year mm-hmm. and uh, ended up getting pregnant after graduation. You know, after, you know, in December, that December I turned 19, I got pregnant. Mm. And uh, after that, you know, I went to, after my daughter was born, she was born by the time, well, she was born when I was 19 and hit 20. And um, But Don Talty and those guys were always still trying to help me. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Jan Bradley. She had a big hit out in the regional area, Illinois and Missouri and uh, Indiana and Wisconsin. She had a re- hit called, called uh Mama didn't lie. She didn't lie. You know, she had that big hit out. Mm. And she was like, oh, she, was, she and Don Talty were like mentors to me, along with Philip Church. And so uh, I had gone to work for the post office um, while I was pregnant, while I was still actually in um, my senior year. I went to work for the phone company. And, okay, and then while I was pregnant, pregnant. Uh, I was about seven months pregnant. Um, you know, I got married and, um, you know, I don't want to speak of it too much, but I had a husband who was physically abusive. So I left that, mm-hmm. came back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I started, uh, I applied for work at the phone at the uh, post office because the money was really good. Mm. But right after I had my daughter, um, she was born in July. Let's see. I'm trying to get all these dates right. She was born in July. Right after I had her, uh, about three, four months after I had her, Don Talty reached out to me and told me that a very famous group was looking for two background singers mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. that it would make me way more money and it would, it, it would put me into the music world. And that group was the American Breed. And the American Breed had huge hits. They had a couple of number one hits. One was, bend me, shape me any way you want me. Long as you love me, it's all right. They had that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they wanted, because Sly Stone had come out, and they wanted to, because they were known as a bubblegum group, mm-hmm. they wanted to make their group a lot hipper by getting two black background singers. Well, I went to audition 
in the, the bass player at the time. He was the bass player at the time, Chuck Colbert. I went to audition in his basement. And when I tell you it was women, wall-to-wall women <laughs> there. Oh, my God, all there with their music. And, you know, I had never done an audition before in my life. Wow. I didn't know what to expect. Um, got down there, and I just sang, you know, um, I sang jazz. I sang, uh, fa- I sang a cappella. Fascinating rhythm, you got me on the go. Fascinating rhythm, I'm all a quiver. Mm. I sang that. What a mess you're making, the neighbors want to know why I'm always shaking. I sang that a cappella, and I won the, I won the, the, um, the role. There was another lady. Uh, her name was Dosie. I won't say her last name. She was from Alabama, and she won the second role. However, after about a month and a half, mm-hmm. they decided they just wanted one girl because, you know, they, I don't want to say anything bad, but they just felt like one girl was stronger. Yeah. And, that, and thank, God that, thank God that was me. And then we changed it. They changed the name because the American breed couldn't break away from their bubblegum image. They decided to change the name mm-hmm. to Smoke. The name Smoke, we found out after a few gigs all across uh, the Midwest and down south, we found out the name Smoke was taken. Mm-hmm. And then we went on to, we were in, I think we were in, we were in, I think we were in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. um, pretty sure. Uh, and Charles Colbert uh, and Kevin, you know, we were all in the hanging out in the hotel room together when we found out that smoke was taken. And we were like, oh, man, oh, man. You know, but Charles Colbert comes out of the bathroom and said, I got a name. And we all, you know, we were all looking at each other. He said, ask Rufus. And we were like, Al, ask Rufus? You know, and Kevin loved it. We all loved it. And he got it from the Farmer's Almanac. There was a column there uh, called Ask Rufus for anything you want to know about farming. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I love it. (laughs) And that's when we got the name Ask Rufus. And that name stayed with us and stuck with us for for years. Mm -hmm. We ended up, um, we played all the big clubs downtown Chicago. We would have not even standing room. People were crowded in. Oh, and then we, we, we put Jimmy Stella in the group with us. He would have been in a group called Circus. We added Willie Weeks to the group. He was, when we saw him in Minneapolis, he was with Bobby Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, after that, long after that, when we got back from France, we added uh, Andre Fisher to the group. But uh, the group got so big, you know, that Sandy Limser from Epic Records, Ep- Epic Records, signed us to a record deal and we did some songs. Nobody knew. We didn't know we didn't know what we were doing to be honest with you. But everybody there's still people that were cult followers of Ask Rufus that loved that album. And uh and you know, I loved the fact that I was singing on it and singing lead on it and one of the lead singers. So Charles Colbert was the other lead singer, Jimmy Stella was the other lead singer. And it was just me, you know, so we have pictures and all kinds of stuff. But then, you know, after coming back from France, we were in the south of France for three months mm-hmm. playing at a club called Club Papagayo, uh, which was on the uh, right on, you know, where the bo- boats come to dock. 
you mm-hmm. know, right at the port in San Tropez. And we had, they gave us a beautiful villa. We had bikes to ride in and out of town. You know, I'll never forget. It was an incredible, incredible time in my life. Mm-hmm. One of the incredible times of my life. I learned so much because you got to understand, coming from Catholic school with only one year of high school, you know, public school, I knew nothing. Yeah. I knew nothing about the business. There was no one to tell me anything. Mm. I fell in love with someone who I thought was really, really all for me, only to find out he was living with another woman. Oh, wow. Uh, that broke my heart. And she brought her around. Oh, my God, that broke my heart. Mm. I, I mean, the first time I had to go on stage with my heart broken and perform, it, it, it literally tore me apart. And, you know, my lessons came fast and hard and a lot of them, mm. you know. So I, I, it's so funny, Jamila, when I hear young people say, oh, I've been working on this such a long time. I crack up. You know, I think it's you don't know what a long time is, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and, you know, so after that, I got back. Of course, once we got back, I started getting all sorts of calls. You know, and in the interim, I met Shaka Khan, who be, she and I became best friends. Mm. Uh, we were best friends for like two years running. I introduced her to that big, huge Afro wig that everybody saw her wear. I, get, I remember giving, them, giving her one of mine. That was her first. And from that point, she started wearing big, big hair. Yeah. And uh, she was beautiful. I remember the first time I heard her sing. You know, but it's always been, you know, we have many, many different callings within who we are. But it, and it's always been within me to help. I, I love singers. I love singers. You know that. I yeah. told you how much I love you and your singing. Um, and I've, it's always been um, my calling to do whatever I could when I felt like there was someone that could really, really sing and wanted it as bad as I did because all I would think about was how bad I wanted it and no one helped me. Mm. So um, anyway, so that's, that's how that all started. And uh, we were doing all the clubs, you know, mothers rush up, rush over, be the, uh, the, the um, Beatles, um, the one place called, um, shoot, I can't remember. Um, the Beatles, it was one of the places named after them on State Street. It was very well, Beavers, Beavers, well known. Um, and we played all these clubs, and every time we played, it was packed. Mm. I can't even tell you how many cards I would get from different, because downtown Chicago was where all of the ad agencies were. And they would come out after work and see, uh, you know, and come see us sing. Mm. Well, I can't even tell you all the people that called me for jingles. I got called for Sears, you know, uh, Illinois Bell, uh, Kellogg, you know. Mm. Uh, I got called. I did so many spots, and I realized, hey, I can stay at home, take care of my baby. I don't have to go on the road all the time and look after my daughter and make a lot of money and it doesn't take much time. So that's when I decided to leave the group. Um, you know, and when I decided to leave the group and shock and I were such good friends. And also at the time, while I was in the group, Cash McCall, very famous musician had called me to join his group called life. And I told him I couldn't do it, but I turned him on to Shaka and she joined life. Um, and so I was always getting doing things like that. 
I got her first commercial, her Sears commercial. I paid out of my pocket, um, you know, um, and I did things like that for her, which I mean, maybe she doesn't even remember, but she does remember that I did put her in the group. And I, they told me in order for her to be in the group that I'd have to stand, be on stage with her for at least two weeks to show her the ropes. And I did. And we had a ball. She and I had a ball. And uh, needless to say, what her story is, because she is brilliant and I love her singing. Mm. I just think she's an amazing, amazing, innovative uh, artist. Always have, always will. Uh, And she and I love each other. We love each other. Um, We will always love each other. We're not active friends right now, Mm -hmm. but I know she speaks highly of me and, you know, I'm doing my life and she's doing hers. So um, that's where we are. Uh, then while I was doing all these commercials and all this stuff, uh, I met, I would go to Ratso's and Jam with Donnie Hathaway because he played there all the time because Phil Upchurch was always coming to get me and take me and meet somebody here and meet somebody there. And then I, I ended up getting a manager by the name of Barry Fox. And uh, he had Donnie Hathaway. He had a beautiful um, beautiful uh, condo in, uh, on Lake Michigan, Penthouse. Mm-hmm. And we were all up there jamming all the time. Phil Church, Donnie Hathaway, and myself. Well, Barberry decided he wanted to do um, some demos for me. And um, Donnie Hathaway and Tennyson Stevens. Donnie wrote a song called Tally Ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennyson Stevens mm-hmm. wrote the lyrics. And I, I sang the song along with a couple of other songs. And Phil Upchurch um, sent that tape to Quincy Jones. And the following week, Quincy called me and said, oh, you got to come out here, and I want you on my Body Heat tour. Oh, wow. And I became Quincy's lead singer. So it's a law of attraction, you know, because that's all I ever did. So that's how things always came to me. I didn't have an agent. Uh, Once working with Quincy, uh, he did turn me on to Charles Stern, who helped me get a lot of commercials for a while. I did a lot. I've done over like 400, 500 spots in my lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and some were big, some were not so big. I did United Airlines campaign. I did Cadillac. I did, I did all the beers, Coors. I did when you say, buddy, you said a lot of things nobody else can say. I did Budweiser. Beautiful. I did, uh, I did Michelob. Weekends were made for Nickelodeon. I did that. I did uh, the United Airlines campaign of Have You Seen the Other Side of Where You Live? You know, Mother Country. I did that. I did, oh, I did Folgers. uh, uh, Best part of waking up. You know, I did that. Oh, my God. I did a lot of spots. And um, (laughs) I did eBay. I can't even think of all of them. You know, one of my favorite ones, I did one for 7-Eleven. Mm-hmm. I did one for Kellogg's. I did a radio spot for Kellogg's that was like a big jam. And it was, um, let me see if I can remember. It goes, when your morning's lagging and your, uh, when your morning's lagging and your body's dragging, you just can't seem to react. Well, think back, my man, to the way it began. Was breakfast part of your act? See, you can't get by when you're on the fly with a gulp or two from a cup. 
Cause your energy pool needs some morning fuel. Eat breakfast, stop, pass it up. Kellogg's. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I did that. I did that. You know, so I did a lot of really cool spots. Like the one for 7-Eleven was so cool. Uh, it was like, um, let me see, Blue Monday. Don't want to get up and face the morning. Feeling slow, so slow. I just can't break through another blue Monday without you. Oh, thank heaven. It's Monday, 7-Eleven. Wow. <laughs> I did that. I did a MasterCard. You know, I did uh, uh, there are things to do all around today. So do something nice. The easy way with Master Charge. It was Master Charge then. Mm. Uh, so I did that. So I did a bunch of commercials, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of commercials. And um, I can't even, God, it's so many, I can't think of them, but I was so grateful because it allowed me, man, I would get piles of checks, residual checks. <laughs> I did stuff for sofas. I did commercials in Chicago, New York, and L.A. Those have all been my home. Wow. You know, at different times. Now I'm in L.A. And so singing, singing, singing without agents, you know, just with producers calling me. And in the interim, also singing background vocals from for the Brecker Brothers, Irene Cara, you know, singing with, you know, when I became a harlot, I auditioned to become a harlot, became a harlot when uh, Luther was there. That's when he and I met, mm. you know, and he and I met and we just locked on singing. That was mm. our friendship, man. We locked on singing. So, you know, he and I became really tight. I was with Bette Midler for almost two years, and we did Broadway, you know, and Luther would be behind the curtain singing with us. You know, him and I would get together and just sing all the songs. Um, um, he and I actually sang a duet at one of the harlots. I got married during the time I was with them. Her name was Franny McCartney, and we sang Just the Way You Are together as a duet. That was before Never Too Much came out. And so, you know, so it's always been singing, 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 singing. Uh, after Bette Midler, I, I did uh, some duets, uh, recorded duets with Johnny Mathis, uh, where you can see me on YouTube singing with Johnny Mathis and those recordings. I, after that, uh, Luther and I were still friends. I was recording with Luther, but I didn't go on the road with Luther until, 19, until 1984. I, was on the, I went on the road with Marvin Gaye. And Marvin Gaye, um, this beautiful woman by the name of Kitty Sears had heard me. And she'd go, oh, Marvin's got to meet you. He's got to meet you. He's getting ready to go on the road. She drove me down to his house in Palm Springs and introduced us. And from that point, I became his baby girl. And he told me he wanted me to hire, choreograph, and do all that stuff. And the background singers for his uh, sexual healing tour. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. That's huge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we did that. I sang all the duets with him on his on that tour. In the interim, when I wasn't working on the road, I was singing sessions from Anastasia, uh, Lauren Hill, Celine Dion, LL Cool J. I can't even remember everybody. Johnny Guitar Watson. Um, geez, Aretha Franklin, Patti LaBelle, Whitney Houston. I mean, I sang... On their records, all these people, Diana Ross, I'm singing on So Close. You know, I so it's all because I love 
singing, and that's how the gigs would just always come. Mm. And uh, for that, I am truly, I never had to do another nine-to-five job, in other words, after after joining the American Breed. And thank you, God, for that. <laughs> you know, and taking care of my daughter was the main thing, and getting her out of Chicago because, you know, where we lived on the south side of Chicago, I love Chicago. It's where I was born. But where we lived on the south side of Chicago was a very closed off, it felt like to me, uh, to the rest of the world. Mm. So I wanted to get out of that box. Yeah. And I wanted my daughter to get out of that box. I didn't. My mom, you know, meaning well, wanted me to go on welfare. She didn't want me to pursue singing. She didn't know what that world was about. Yeah. She was always scared for me. But I did it even though I was scared because I... You know, I just knew that I had to. And I felt like these are the moves, these are the things that I have to do. In hindsight, being 20, 20, you know, looking back at it, this is why I did what I did because I knew right now where I'm sitting right now is 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 where I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, for the first time in my life, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I did a duet. I, I created a duet um, uh, called Firefox. It was my idea. Mm-hmm. And when and Ollie Brown, Ollie Brown, who was with the, the Rolling Stones, he had played drums for the Rolling Stones. He and Ray Parker had a studio, and you know, and he knew he knew this uh, friend of mine. Her name is Toy Overton, mm-hmm. and she and I did Firefox together, and we did a couple of movies where we sang, um, you know, a break in one and two. We sang on those movies. Actually, we were in the one movie. I looked crazy, but anyway, <laughs> that was the duet. <laughs> I, we had a, we got a deal on Atlantic Records, so there's always been something in music, but I never had guidance. And because I never had guidance, and this is the, what I'm trying to get to, I was all over the place. But thank God, God has God has taken care of my life and taken care of me uh, in ways that I cannot explain. Um, because I didn't have guidance, I was always trying things and ended up getting knocked down and had to get back up mm. and crying my eyes out and have to get back up because I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have any cousins or uncles or sisters or mom or dad. You know, I hear all these singers saying, well, my dad's in music or my mom's in music or this one's in music. I didn't have any of that. I had to learn everything I had to learn. I had to learn by getting knocked down first and figuring it out. Mm. And that's what happened. Even with Luther, mm-hmm. when I went on the road with Luther in 1984, um, of course, he and I had already been friends, and I had already sung on Forever, For Always, For Love, and all of the all of the other albums. I sang on every single album with Luther. Uh, I was the one that sang in both the core groups. Um, you know, he had the, the first core group I sang in was Tawatha, A.G., Brenda White King, Fonzie Thornton, myself. And Sissy Houston. Okay, that was the first core group that he used on most of the songs. Of course, he'd add other other singers in, like Michelle Cobb, and other singers would come in for certain more choir type things. But most of the time, and Darlene Love and Yvonne Lewis, you know, those singers would come in. But most of the time, the core, the nucleus of most of the songs started with us. Then the second core group was myself. Uh, Tawatha A.G., Cindy Mizell, Fonzie Thornton would do the contracting and sing, and, uh, and, um, 
and sometimes Tissy Houston and definitely Brenda White King. Mm-hmm. All great singers. And Luther taught taught the world what great back singing background singing was all about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I you know I, I've done a I've done workshops on that. Yeah. Uh, because great background singers are not that's not all that they are. Luther was a background singer. Okay. The background singers are singers that have mastered backgrounds because backgrounds are not easy. People think just because they, they sing, they can sing background, but that's not the case. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved everything I learned from Luther. Uh, we, we had so many wonderful moments. He would call me in the middle of the night when I was on the road with, with Marvin and just talk to me all about what was going on with his singers. And, you know, we would just always have those conversations. And he and I became very, very tight, like brother and sister, and I loved him dearly. We get angry with each other, uh, like siblings, but the love was always at the core, so mm. it wouldn't be for too long. And he did that with the people that he loved. He get pissed, <laughs> you know, with people that he loved. You know, that he, he did with each one of us at one time or another. But he always came back because he really loved us, and his best friends were Fonzie Thornton and uh, Robin Clark mm. and Nat Adderley Jr. And I was one of them as well. And uh, and he and he helped. You know, he helped Lisa Fisher. He helped me. He, he really went out of his way and helped Lisa Fisher a lot. But, you know, he, he didn't really want me away from him. He told me. So I guess that's why he didn't. <laughs> you know, but I, I loved him. He was my brother. So that was that. Mm. That was that, you know. But so after that, you know, and I, I've been singing, singing, singing. Uh, even, even Michael Buble, not that long ago, about four years ago maybe three or four years ago, Michael Buble, some other stuff I did. I just not too long ago did a session with Raphael Sadiq, but the sessions have not been as um, nowhere near what they were. And, mm-hmm. and the jingles, uh, the jingle world has completely changed. Yeah. Uh, they're, the, jingle, the jingle houses are using the people that work in the houses, family, there's a lot of nepotism going on. It's a lot of different stuff. Um, but, you know, and I just not too long ago did a great jingle uh, with Kobe Bryant that my son-in-law was directing the whole thing. I was on screen and singing, but I had to, he told me he wasn't going to help me. I had to go through the audition process. Luckily, I got it. He did not help me one bit, mm. but he, he, loved me enough to, he loved me enough to let me know about it. And, you know, that's what happened. You know, so, and now, you know, keeping with uh, singing, I'll, I'll go to my, I'll go to my grave singing. That's how I feel. Mm. Um, I'm doing the best, I'm doing the best singing in my life. I, I warm up every single day. I sing all the time. So it, it, things always do come to me because of that. And it, to me, my life is purely the law of attraction in full effect. Mm. That's how I look at it. And even right now, working on my CD, you know, I've been working on it for three years. I've been praying about it. And God has just been opening doors for me to make sure that, you know, I have the, the, the funding and everything I need when, when the time comes. So, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I believe in it so much, Jamila. You just have to really believe it and don't. Let there, there, there have been, you know, deterrence. There have been things that try to pull you away, 
Uh, and if you get caught up, it's easily, you can easily be swayed, you know. Um, but I always, especially now, much faster, it comes to me much faster than it did when I was younger, um, I realize that, you know, that's just a deterrent. Mm-hmm. You know, keep your focus. I pray every day and meditate every day for focus mm. and to stay stay on my path. I, I pray for focus because it's so easy for people to try to pull you away into yes. their whatever their thing is. They want you to be in their thing. But you have to stay focused on what it is that is meant for you or you're, it, or you're wasting your time. That time you cannot get back. Uh, so true. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, has, that answers a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can, can I ask you it, what, uh, anything. Uh, what, uh, what makes a good background singer? Because we know, like you said, and I have said this, and I'm so happy you said it, you know, just because you like to sing. Uh-huh. You know, doesn't mean mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, you can sing backgrounds. It isn't easier just because you're no. not up front. You know, in fact, it's there's a lot yeah. of things that are harder about it. Um, so what do you think yeah. makes a good uh, backup singer? Okay, well, first of all, and Luther was one of the greatest jingle and background singers ever because uh, he had done things before, you know, before me. He had done, done all kinds of things, you know, David Bowie and all kinds of things. But yeah. anyway... A great background singer is is one who knows how to master the art of blending. Yes. So you have to blend to the lead voice. So whoever's singing the lead, okay, you have to, you know, you have to emulate their their tones and how they formulate their their uh, vowel sounds and how they, you know, uh, how they, you know, just how they. Their, their tone, if it's an airy tone or if it's a if it's an edgy tone or whatever it is, and you have to be mindful of pitch. If you're sticking out, then you're not blending well. Uh, you have to you have to master what whatever it is, whatever. I mean, I sang, you know, that's me on. Don't stop till you get enough. And uh, Lord knows, I don't sing up there, you know. But the thing is. You have to, in that particular song, I knew I had to emulate the sound that Michael Jackson was giving. Mm-hmm. When I did, when I sang back up with Stephanie Spruill, and God bless her, I love her so much. She's another brilliant singer who sang background. Um, she she uh, called me for sessions. We did uh, sessions for Giorgio Moroder. We did David Bowie. Uh, she called me for Gino Vanelli. Uh, she called me for the Billy Idol sessions. We did Moni Moni wow. and Hot in the City. That's Stephanie and I on, ooh, I love you, Moni, 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 Moni. You oh know, he wanted us to be very gospel-like. You wow. know, Roger Pony. You know, he had us to sing it, you know, in a certain way. And you have to give the producer and the lead singer, because Billy Idol was there, what they want. Yes. They don't want to. They don't want to hear you singing your lead. <laughs> you know, they want to hear you singing the vibe that they're asking you for. Yes. Okay. Uh, and a great background singer realizes that. Let Let's go of his ego, his or her ego, and works to give the producer slash and or background singer. I mean, uh, and or uh, lead singer 
exactly what it is they're asking for and you question and you follow, you know, how they how they form you, they how they formulate their words and how they how they what they're as they say we want a real gospel feel, then that's what you give them. And then and you, and then when you have other singers singing with you, you get together and you huddle together and you you figure it out and you make sure you're not sticking out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, unless they tell you they want to step out, they're not asking you to do that. They want you to create a sound, okay? Um, that's Luther singing on Irene Cara's fame. He actually wrote those background vocals and created those background vocals for fame. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly. Hi, I feel it come. You know, that's, Luther wrote that. Oh, my All gosh. Of those parts. Yeah, yeah, and and when he did the Stevie Wonder, um, part time lover. I mean, that's how you have to be versatile, wow. and you have to be very confident in the fact that you are a vocalist that can sing whatever it is the job is calling you for. Just like with jingles, I had so many times for them to tell me they didn't want me to sound. Well, you know, they didn't want me to sound so ethnic. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'll put it to you like that. And they, you know, like for Master Charge, they wanted me to sing in real straight middle America, you know. And you have to get, and when I did parquet, margarine, a tasty aid for mother, the packet says it's margarine, the flavor says butter. You know, you have to, mm. <laughs> you have to just kind of, Give them that kind of stuff. Give them what they're looking for, or you don't get the gig. <laughs> so learning how to do that, both as a recording artist and on stage, was really, really necessary. I even, um, in 2016, I sang back up for Steely Dan oh. for uh, one of the ladies uh, was uh, had me there um Donald and uh, Cindy Mizell got me the gig because I love her so much. A- another great background singer called me for the gig. And um, and we knew that we blended together because we were we had bl- blended together for Luther Vandross for so many years, yeah. <laughs> you know. So she called me for the gig, and we were very good. And we are, you know, the best of friends. We have so much love and respect for one another. I think she's an incredible singer, and she called me. But I, it's like I'm the bottom of her top, and she's the top of my bottom. And you know, we did. You know, she called me, and and Walter Brett, Walter uh, Becker looked me up. You know, Walter from Donald Fagan and Walter Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, he called. He came up to me and said, "Man, I've been looking you up, and." I've been, you know, oh, and they would say things like, wow, you guys are the best backup vocals. But, you know, it was Cindy Mizell, uh, myself, and Carolyn. Um, and and we, they, we just got the most incredible compliments about the fat sound of the background vocals. Wow. Uh, and I was there just for, for the whole summer. And then into, right, they also asked me to come back, and I did the Beacon. So, for half the year of 2016, it was a, a fun gig. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I sang with Steely Dan, also, I forgot to mention that. And then, uh, 
And then, you know, but it was about being able to, Donald Fagan liked voices a certain way. He liked you to do certain monotones and he liked you to do, you know, match his voice. A lot of times I say his parts, a lot of parts with him, you know, uh, match his voice, you know, uh, on certain things. I would sing the melody behind him, you know, and it was, it was really, really good. But you, if you don't know how to do those kinds of things, um, you can't call yourself a background singer. You just can't. You know, I went from doing that. We sang on some stuff with Celine Dion and R. R. Ke- R. R. Kelly, and um, you know, we sang, sang on some stuff with L. Whatever the job calls for, you know, it's funk, whatever it is, whatever it is. I sang for Marlon McLean with his group. You know, he had me sing lead and background on some things. I sang and and contracted for Noel Pointer, who was a very famous jazz violinist. Mm. Um, and he had me sing. We did the backgrounds on his uh, album, his last al- album called Never Lose Your Heart. I love the song that he sings. Mm-hmm. And um, he had me sing a song called Back to Paradise. And that's me singing and uh, Patrice Barnes. And I can't remember everybody. It was Patrice Barnes, myself. Uh, I think it was, was it Kevin? Well, anyway, we sang the background part. Mm-hmm. And so but he, we had to give him what he wanted. He liked fat background vocal sounds, you know, like Luther. Luther, Luther loved fat backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know, when he had a, Luther, Luther produced Aretha Franklin on the jump, 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 jump to it, you know, and we sang on um, If You Don't Want Your Lovin' and, and all those things and, you know, he just, Aretha loved it, and I will never forget, you know, when I met her, I, when I first met her, I went on the road with her uh, for about two and a half months. We did weekends, and our Arsenio Hall opened up for Aretha, oh, wow. and I remember walking up to her. I was always just so in awe of her, because to me, even to this day, nobody, absolutely nobody can be in her camp. Okay. Nobody. Yeah. Okay. And there's some great singers out there, but where she came from in her gut and from her pain and how she just spontaneously came up with an idea. Nobody. I just heard her sing Gloria Gaynor's. um, I will survive. Check Uh, that out. Oh my God. I heard her sing. I heard her sing Adele's rolling in the deep. I lost my mind. I love Adele. Yes. But Aretha brings a whole nother thing to a song, wow. period. And there's nobody that can emulate her. Nobody. You know, and I may, get, I may get some haters, you know, saying something about what I'm saying. But anytime you want to be honest about singers, she stands alone. Even yeah. though her voice changed as she got older, yeah. she still stood alone. Mm. Because her feeling, her feeling and her authenticity always came first yeah always came out yep and so i remember going up to her i hung out with her at her house when she lived out here but i remember telling her (laughs) aretha you know i said you make me i said i said you are so incredible i said i i am in such awe just being around you and singing with you there's nobody like you she looked at me and she said you ain't so bad yourself well let me tell you something (laughs) I hold that in my heart all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that one I don't claim, 
But I hold that. I embrace that all the time. <laughs> Whenever people are looking at me like, oh, please, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember what she said to me, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, it's all about law of attraction and just continuously keeping your dream in your, in, in your, in your, in your, in your sight, just keeping it right there, keeping it in your heart, keeping everything you believe about yourself, keeping it right at the forefront, you know, and of course, loving, loving it, embracing it. And thanking God for it, first and foremost, because as you thank God for it, it continues to grow. Mm. It continues to bring you abundance. I thank God every morning. Mm. Every morning, I thank God. I wake up and I say, thank you, God. Every morning, I wake up, thank you, God. Whether I get good sleep or not, thank you, God, because I am who I am, because God has got me, brought me here and deemed it so, and I feel like all of the messages I get about singing, from even from creating this new CD that I'm doing, mm. comes from God. You know, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. I believe that there's only one God. All the religions, all the religions that there are, I respect, mm. but I am all about there's only one God, period, for me. So I thank God. I always thank God, you know. So that's where I'm at, and it's the law of attraction, and it always seems to come. Right now it's coming to me in the form of me doing this record yeah. to create more more work, and I feel like there's a bigger picture out there for what it is God wants me to do. And I've, been, I've stood in my own way for far too long, many times trying mm. to control the, out, the outcome, mm. and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. You know, you have to let go. And truly let go and let God. Uh, that is that is the best thing there is to me. So background singing, that's what it is. If you choose to do it, make sure you let, work with someone that knows what they're doing and ask them to help you to learn how to do it properly. There are some great background singers singers that sing background. I, I don't like to call them background singers because that's not all that they are. Right. You know, I mean, I love, there's some singers like, oh, my God, I sang, I did a session with an uh, amazing singer. Her name is Nita Whitaker, mm-hmm. Kenya Hathaway, uh, Charlotte Gibson, uh, uh, Stevie, uh, Stephanie, Stevie Alexander. Mm-hmm. Um, there's guys, Will Wheaton. You know, there's some, there's some great singers out there now. There's uh, Kiffer. Um, oh, my God, there's Jim Gilstrap, who's been singing for years. Oh, my gosh. And then there's uh, singers that sing on the movie soundtracks like Edie Lehman, Sally Stevens. Um, I'm giving names, so whoever it is can write them down and, and try to look these people up and find a way to maybe, you know, introduce yourselves because these are the masters. Really, they are. They really, truly are. So, uh, you know, yeah. what more can I say? Yep. <laughs> And, of course, Lisa Fisher, who is out there now, she was in 20 Feet from Stardom. Right. Lisa Fisher, uh, I mean, a brilliant, absolutely brilliant singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing her thing without a record because in 20 Feet from Stardom introduced her to the world. It wasn't the Grammy that she won. It was 20 Feet from Stardom. You know, I was supposed to actually be in that. I was in Russia. Mm. Um, and of course I missed it, but you know, that's life. Mm. Um, 
and also Saida Garrett. Saida Garrett. I did sessions with her. Wonderful. Just great, you know, people with beautiful personalities and, and just a whole lot of love in their heart. And, uh, you know, I did the Don't Look Any Further album, the Dennis Edwards thing with Saida Garrett, you know. Uh, and, you know, so there's some great ones out there. You know, you just have to get out, you know, Philip Ingram, um, mm. uh, gosh, uh, Daryl Fennessy, uh, Dorian Holly. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Dorian is absolutely brilliant. And his daughter, um, you know, yeah. you, you've got some great, 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 great singers that know how to sing background, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're, mm-hmm. all, they're all here in L.A., yes. you know, so, you know, trying to you know, be with those people or just introduce yourself. And they're nice people. They really are yeah. nice people. You know, um, they, they recognize their gifts and their blessings and, you know, they're good, they're good souls. They really, really are. So I'd say, you know, just, just keep, keep it right at the forefront. Keep your eyes on the prize. Yes. You know, don't think about winning Grammys or any of those things. When I say keep your eyes on the prize, the prize is you. Mm. Okay. Keep your focus on yourself and what you're supposed to be doing. And don't let anyone dissuade you from whatever it is or tell you, oh, girl, I think you should be doing this. Because most of the time, people don't even know what they're talking about. They don't even, <laughs> yes. Most of the time, they're, they're just projecting what they would yeah. do, which yes. is not the same thing. So, you know, that's... Uh, those are some of the things I can say in trying to put it all in one little nutshell for you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. That was so brilliant. Um, I got one last oh, question you. for you because I know, you know, I don't, uh, your time is so valuable and, and I appreciate the time you've oh, given me. <laughs> well, so is yours, baby. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. One last, what, did you ever see um, Sammy Davis Jr. again? You know what? <laughs> that's so funny. We, I, I didn't actually see him. I did go to uh, an agent that had booked Lola Falana, and Lola Falana was one of Sammy Davis Jr.'s protégés. And his name was Bullets, Bullets Durgan or something like that. I can't remember his last name. Mm. I went to his office to see him, to see if he could help me. Mm-hmm. And there's, I, I have so many stories about things like this, but... Um, uh, and I don't want to get into him because I don't want to say anything bad about anyone. All I can say is that he didn't want to help me in the way I wanted to be helped. <laughs> okay. Yes. I think I get it. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I didn't get to see Sammy Davis again, although I did reach out um, because I never could get close enough because, you know, all of these big stars, they have all these gatekeepers, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. Um that will, you know, okay, well, we'll give them your message and that whole kind of thing. So I just didn't, I, I never did. But yeah. the fact that he, he opened the door for me yes. spiritually, you know, through God by saying, this is where you need to be, what you need to be doing. Cause had he not said that, you know, my whole life may have been different. Wow. You know, had he not said, look me up when you get older, yeah. you know, my I may have just been content with, you know, you know, sticking around the south side of Chicago and just doing whatever would could, would come. But he gave me, he gave, from his words, he gave me, you know, bigger aspirations. You know, just he gave me goals to, to, to actually reach for by telling me that. Uh, yeah. 
That's beautiful. I just reminded yeah. of uh, something I heard. Uh, I heard an interview with uh, Maya Angelou the other day, mm-hmm. and I've heard this interview. Her say this a few times that words are things, you know, and yeah. and there's they mm-hmm. do affect. They have an effect. They're you know they do. They don't just go into the air. They go into you, you know, and they they do they affect really you. Do. That's right. They yeah. reverberate right into you. Yes. They really do. That's why it's really important to, you know, not only be careful what you say, especially, you know, when I'm talking to people, young people about what they want to do, I'm letting them, I always say, of course you're great. Of course you're worth it. You do what your heart tells you. You follow what it is, your heart. Listen to your heart. Listen to your gut. Yeah. You know, get out of your head so much and your head, your head takes on all the, the stuff that people will tell you. Stay out of your head and follow your heart. Mm. You know? mm. I love that. Beautiful advice. Yeah. Well, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. This did my <laughs> heart good. You, <laughs> yes. Oh, I love you. I love all you, right, too. Honey. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, baby. Thanks for asking me. All Absolutely. Right. Thanks for doing it. <laughs> all right. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I so loved this interview. So many golden nuggets of wisdom. And I'm just excited that you got to be in on it and you got to hear it. Such good stuff. So let's go to the singing lessons. Number one, a good background singer has mastered the art of blending. You have to emulate tone of the lead singer, their vowel sound, you have to be mindful of pitch. Number two, you have to give the producer and lead singer what they want. Number three, a great background singer lets go of his or her ego. Number four, It's all about the law of attraction and keeping your dream in sight. Number five, keep your eye on the prize. The prize is you. Keep your focus on yourself and what you're supposed to be doing and don't let anyone dissuade you from whatever it is. Number six, you have to be versatile. You have to be confident that you are a vocalist that can sing whatever the job is calling for. Number seven, get out of your head and follow your heart. And you can download these singing lessons at www.theworkingsingerpodcast.com. Just some of my experience (laughs) with background singing. I've had those times where, um, you know, I'll be asked, I'll be called to sing backup on somebody's gig. And then they'll bring in another friend who they know sings, but hasn't really sung backup. And... You know, just don't do that to people. (laughs) It is background singing is a skill and whoever you bring in should know how to do that. You know, um, they should know how to work as a unit and as a team. They should know how to blend. Um, They should know how to harmonize. They should know how to stay on and find, you know, find and stay on their part. They should have gone over their parts prior to the gig. They should have learned that part before the rehearsal, Um, you know. Uh, those are just a couple of things. And then, you know, you get into all of the wonderful things that Paulette talked about, which was, you know, the blending and the tone and the, you know, matching the lead singer. And, you know, when you get together, you know, uh, before a gig, a background section needs to have its own um, rehearsal, you know, if at all possible. At the very least, we should have a conversation about what we're going to do, who's taking what part, um, and what's going to happen. Um 
you know, especially if it's, you know, an originals project where nobody really, <clears throat> you know, they're not famous songs and, and all that kind of thing. I think on the gigs, like I've got one coming up, um, you know, on the gigs where everybody kind of knows the songs. Um, there have been times where we just kind of show up and it's just like, okay, you take the, <laughs> you take the mid, I take the high, she takes the low, and then we just go. And, um, but not everybody can do that. I think people take that for granted when they don't really do that. Um, you know, they don't sing really, and they don't, they specifically don't sing backgrounds. They take for granted like that, that is an actual skill and you need to have a good ear and you need to really be listening, really be listening and um, kind of, you know, working as a team, being able to have a s discussions. I would love to be a fly on the wall of, of uh, Paulette's discussions because this woman's done everything. She's worked with everybody um, and she's just amazing. So, you know, those are kind of my thoughts about like about background singing. Don't take for granted that that is a section and um, it needs to be like treated seriously, taken seriously, because it's kind of annoying to, <laughs> you know, get get into a position. You know, at the very least, hire somebody that you know knows what they're doing, and then let them bring in other singers. That's what happens a lot of the time. They bring in other singers that they've worked with, they can sing with, they know how to, you know, that they trust, know how to do that job, and um, and then it just makes for an even better show, you know. Um, and in case you haven't already, in case you missed it, um, there is a Facebook group dedicated to the podcast, to listeners of the podcast. Um, it's the Working Singer Podcast Community. You can go onto your um, Facebook app, go into the search, put in the Working Singer Podcast Community, and that'll come up and you can join the group. And we're just really supportive of each other and um, putting on events. I want to do some lives with some guests, so I'm trying to set that up. And um, that'll just be for the group. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun thing. So please come and join, meet other singers. And it's just a really wonderful, supportive community. Follow me on Instagram, at Jamila Ford Music. That's J-A-M-I-L-A-F-O-R-D, like the car, music. Follow me there so you don't miss anything. And uh, visit my website. I've got shows coming up. I just updated my calendar, jamilaford.com. And if you would be so inclined, please take a few take a few minutes. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a few minutes to share it with a friend, and also, especially, especially, um, go into your app and comment, talk about how much you love it, <laughs> and um, it really does help other people to find the podcast. It moves it up in um, kind of the the findability of um, such podcasts and it, it just really really helps so if you're enjoying it and you've been enjoying it and you haven't left a comment yet please do that it really does help the podcast it really helps other people to find it and you know there is a there is an appetite for this kind of thing I've talked to several singers and they were just like they found it randomly um, and they were looking for something like this you know they're kind of in a transition that's what a lot uh, I see you know happens a lot they're in, kind of in a transition and they're just looking for advice they're looking for wisdom they're looking for input they're looking for ideas they're looking to get a handle on this thing um, that can be a little bit hard to get a handle on um, you know I've met a few singers recently and and at our our gathering a couple of weeks ago that were in corporate jobs for like almost two decades and then were laid off, <laughs> you know, and that that happens. And they, you know, they 
or pursuing singing decades ago and then they didn't do it as much if at all you know when they were in their jobs which they enjoyed and they loved and they were thriving in um the people i'm thinking about specifically and you know so now they're kind of like you know kind of doing their thing they've got like skills that they took from their other jobs they were like really high up in the in the chain as far as those jobs went and they're taking those skills and they're applying it to um singing you know they're applying it to having singing careers and you know it was fun to talk to them and like brainstorm about like things that um they are wanting to get into as far as singing goes recording one of them is recording for the first time she'd never recorded a record and her idea is amazing i won't say it but um it's just fabulous it's a fantastic idea and i think once she has the album finished i'd love to have her on the show and talk to her she's just a, a ball of energy and you know i don't know if she'd want me to, to share any of this so i won't say her name but um you know uh it's just a common story you know we we um are singing and and maybe we go towards that thing that is a little more tangible a little easier to get a handle on has a little more of a career track laid out and we do that and there's nothing wrong with it and you learn so much doing that i have to say you learn so much about structure um you know doing that kind of thing um doing a day job especially you know if you're like these women I'm thinking about were in were in charge of like hundreds of people. So, um, you know, all of it is useful. You know, none of it we should, you know, feel badly about or be ashamed of. All of it we can take with us um, into um, having a singing career or doing it as a side hustle um, and uh, or just doing it out of pure joy, you know. But everything's got, I think all of these things have interchangeable skills. Um, just as far as, you know, structure, if you're making it a business structure organization, you know, I'm going to have a guest coming up soon who worked in HR and was a counselor. And now she's opened her own agency, her own music agency, um, after having worked as a background singer, touring as a background singer. Um, And uh, she takes her skills from HR into choosing musicians to work with for her agency. And she's got a wonderful group together and um and you should see their faces you know i've only seen pictures she's based in the uk um but uh you know they you know how like kindness and and loveliness just radiates from people's faces sometimes you know she's one of these people and you know we had chatted and she's just lovely and she's just attracting lovely people and she just knows how to choose them because you know it was her job at one point um so all of these things you know when you dig deep and maybe you don't even have to dig that deep they can all be used um in other areas of your life it's all useful it can all be taken and these are like skills and knowledge and wisdom that can't be taken from you and you can use it you can use it it's all valuable so with that being said i look forward to connecting with you guys on facebook and instagram and all of it and um i love you and i appreciate you and i will talk to you next week